0: Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers Podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers Podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics revolving around health, nutrition, and physical fitness. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. Please also consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to our next topic
1: so um, all right
0: cool yeah we're going guys so
1: all right cool so Chris Donahue, Donahue welcome to the HBO podcast it's a pleasure to have you on I've been uh, following your progress for quite some time now I think it's at least a year or more now that you've been you've been uh, sort of transforming your life uh, and, it's, and it's really inspiring to see and it's inspired a lot of other people out there and so you said you're in Georgia and we just chatted about you know, I used to live in Georgia when I was a kid, but I uh, don't remember much. But my dad's actually there. He's living in I can't remember the name, a little town on the coast. I can't remember it right now. I know he's got a, he's not far from a place called Jekyll Island, which is Okay. It's, it's like. Is it on the Atlantic side on the Atlantic coast or is it is it uh on the on the Gulf side? I can't remember. You know
2: uh yeah, I'm not sure Jekyll Island. I think it's on the Atlantic.
1: Well, I don't think actually, I don't think Georgia. No, Georgia doesn't even touch the the, the Gulf. Never mind. I remember my geography. So
2: <laughs> anyway,
1: um, so anyway, Chris, let's let's just get a little bit. Uh, you know, your story is so fascinating. You know, a lot of times we talk about science and biochemistry and and some of that stuff, and that's that's neat and interesting stuff. But sometimes there's you got to put it in a human perspective, and, and I, I think more than anyone, uh, you you represent a pretty significant, uh, you know story that, that that I think we can be told. So give us a little bit of your background and you know where you started, where you where you've come from and, and where you've gotten to.
2: Okay. Well first yeah, thanks for having me on guys. Really appreciate it. And uh Zach, congratulations on that record. That was really amazing.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And thanks for coming on. It's uh we're excited to hear your story.
2: Thank you. So yeah, I mean um forty five years old and uh I've been on a real health journey since I was uh, really a you know a young child. Had a lot of uh, health problems, a lot of issues. Uh, been overweight my entire life, uh, topping up over over 500 pounds, and uh, really just had a lot of health issues: uh, diabetes, diverticulitis, uh, significant lymphedema in my legs. Uh, ocular migraines you know you name it and uh, I tried a lot of things I've been in the health and wellness industry for 25 years and uh, tried every potion and lotion and and uh you know newest greatest thing to fix it and just couldn't couldn't seem to uh couldn't seem to make it work for myself. And, uh, you know, I started playing around with uh, the carnivore diet uh, a little over a year ago. It was the last couple of months of last year. I had come from from standard keto and uh, was doing doing okay with it. Uh, Had some long stalls, just couldn't shake some of those health issues and conditions, and started reading about these crazy carnivores online. And I uh, said, well, you know what? I've tried everything else. Let me give it a go. And so I uh, started lowering my carbs and plants more and more. And uh, December 1st of last year, I went full carnivore, and I've never looked back. And uh, to date, I've lost 215 pounds. I've reversed every health condition that I have, uh, feeling amazing. I went for a hike this morning, climbing in the mountains, my house here in North Georgia, and uh, you know, a little over a year ago, I could barely walk from from the house to the car, so it's uh, it's amazing. Meat heels, you know, there's no doubt, and uh, I'm just excited about it, and really passionate about the carnivore movement, excited about what you guys are doing, and Doc, just uh, appreciate you, and <laughs> being the vanguard and the spearhead there, and taking the slings and arrows for the rest of us. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting. So, you know, i am been doing some health coaching and just have a passion for helping people that were in my situation. You know, I know there's a lot of people that are struggling that have tried everything, tried the standard advice and, you know, medical route and just, you know, came to dead ends and, you know, there's a better way. So that's, uh, what I've devoted myself to doing here. And, uh, just, it's just the beginning. You have another 80, 80 to hundred pounds to knock off here this year. And then, uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, Chris, I mean, that, I mean, most people don't have a concept of what it's like to be 500 pounds. I mean, that's, you know, it's more common today than it used to be. And certainly it's not a thing to be proud of, but I mean, you know, growing up, you said you had it ever since you were a kid. I mean, did you, were you did you have parents that were overweight? Did you have grandparents who were overweight? When did this when did this start in the Donahue line? As you can tell, I mean, most people would argue that you know our genetics don't change over over a period of a few generations. You know that that, that this doesn't happen, and so um, you know my sort of thought is that there's something going on nutritionally you know, in the diet of, and and that can be passed out from generation to generation as you have particular eating habits. And sometimes there's, there's evidence that even fetuses in utero exposed to higher levels of glucose develop insulin resistance and and hyperinsulinemia that starts at birth. And so when did you, when were you starting, when did did obesity become a problem for you?
2: Well, you know, it's definitely on both sides of the family. Um, Obesity, diabetes, uh, on really both sides. Had an Italian grandma raised in an Italian, Italian home there. You know, pasta and bread and, and uh, you know, just a lot of lasagna. And, uh, you know, grandma would uh, cry if you didn't have that fifth slice, you know. It's, uh, oh, you don't love your grandma, you know. And so I started packing it on pretty quick. I was the stereotypical fat kid. in in school, uh, had some bullying, picked up a few nicknames, you know, the whole bit. And, um, you know, it, it just got worse and worse. It seemed like no matter what I did, uh, you know, I tried all kinds of stuff. And uh, it, it just never, it never got any better. I I just kept one of the things that I do think played a role, there were a lot of factors, but I was actually a pest controller for a while, um, when I was a young, you know, young guy, and I was covered in chemicals all the time, uh, you know, or organ- some of these fat soluble chemicals, and, uh, I do think that they got in there and, uh, caused some additional issues. It really seemed like I ballooned up at that time. It just kind of took me over the top, and, uh, yeah i I, uh, I definitely do think that you know it's a combination of uh, you know genetics uh, certainly the upbringing the foods that you know that I was uh, acculturated to and uh, yeah it's it, it's it is it is something being over 500 pounds and you know I really just feel for for folks I know where they're at you know I know what it's like to not be able to walk and not be able to tie your shoes and You know, I know what it's like to hire a trainer. And, you know, they tell you, oh, just do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. And it's like, yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, I can barely walk across the room, you know. And so, uh, you know, I really now, I really try to meet people where they're at and take them from from the first, you know, the first steps. And, uh, you know, but it's 90% diet, you know, as you guys know.
0: Chris, if you don't mind me asking, I'm curious, like what type of uh, approaches you had went through in the past that seemingly didn't work or backfired on you. Uh, When I think of folks who kind of, you know, dive into the carnivore approach or even a ketogenic approach, it's, it's rare in my experience that that was their first attempt at weight loss. So like, did you, can you tell us just a little bit about kind of that journey from when you first recognized, look, I've got a lot of weight to lose and I better do this or, you know, things aren't going to go well for me. Uh, and what kind of stuff did you do along the way before getting to the carnivore approach?
2: Yeah, I tried uh, a lot of things. You know, I did the standard um, eat more, move, or, or move more, eat less. Um, that decidedly did not work for me. Uh, I was a vegetarian. For, uh, for a time, that did not work, I actually gained weight, and my health definitely got worse. Um, turns out, you know, there's, there's no meat and fries and donuts, but uh, it's, it's not, good for, uh, not good for a diet, and uh, I tried all kinds of wacky stuff. I did meal replacement shakes, I did, uh, for a few months, I ate breakfast cereal, nothing but breakfast cereal, and uh, that didn't work. And uh, one of the craziest things that I did was for about three months, I ate baby food. And that definitely did not work. It turns out that pudding and, and uh, applesauce and smashed up bananas are not, uh, not a great diet food. Uh, so, you know, I definitely tried the calorie restriction. Uh, I did extended fasting. I do think that the extended fasting played a role in damaging my metabolism, you know. I I, I had done a lot of 3-week fasts, uh, my longest fast I did 40 days of just water and uh, you know you'd, you'd lose a little bit of weight but man it just came back with a vengeance and of course, you know, it studies show that when you do that it lowers your resting metabolic rate and uh, which is why these biggest loser contestants, you know, they can shape up a little bit, but uh, once they stop, they gain it all back and then some. And uh, so, you know, I just knew that, okay, this is not, this is not working. Uh, You know, I hired a dietitian; Her advice didn't, didn't do anything. And I just said, you know, I have to take matters into my own hands. I have to uh, follow the evidence wherever it leads. And so I just decided to disregard the standard nutritional advice and dogmas and just, uh, and just go for it. And so finding carnivore was just, just a life, just a life changer, you know, just a godsend.
1: One of the, you know, one of the sort of, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a criticism of carnivore diet, but one of the, the things that I constantly hear from is people will say that, you know, for any diet to work, it is a matter for you to lose weight. Uh, and I think losing weight and, and health are sometimes not completely the same thing. Although many people that do lose weight improve their health, but we are seeing people that improve quality of life metrics and, and markers of disease independent of weight loss. But when we say that, you know, in order to lose weight, you have to you have to develop a caloric deficit. That is, you have to take in less than you expend. Now, granted, you know, we don't know exactly how much we're going to expend or things that, that, that will Upregulate and downregulate that, um, but let me add. You know, when when I say you know, Chris, you need to you need to you know, be in a caloric deficit, and I tell you that that's all you need to do, um, and, and it'll work. And to me, it's kind of like telling a drunk driver. You know, you give them the keys and say, um, "All right, just don't run any red lights in the, and, and obey all the traffic rules, and you'll be fine." Right? You know, but there are a lot of people that you can give them those instructions. And it just doesn't work. They can't do it for whatever reason. The food environment, uh, types of food are incredibly. I know for me, you know, if you get, you know, and I don't do this anymore, but I mean, you give me a, a quart of ice cream and I can polish that off, no problem. You know, I get an equivalent amount of food, and you know, like it's meat, and I and I will struggle to finish the same amount of calories or certainly volume. And so, I do think there's a little bit of you know real world real world application versus experimental theory and so what are your thoughts around caloric restriction um food quality uh and how that plays a role in the psychology and and the um i guess the actual uh realistic chance that something's going to work for
2: you yeah absolutely those those things i mean that's that's exactly uh what i have found you know caloric restriction Did nothing but increase my hunger and uh, increase my cravings. And, you know, I can tell you fat people are hungry people. I was a hungry dude. I mean, I could talk about polish off the wrong kinds of foods. I mean, you know, I go to the olive garden, I'll eat three baskets of breadsticks before, you know, uh, even, uh, you know, could even realize what happened. And, um, you know, switching over to a meat only diet. I eat a large amount of meat. It is, you know, the times where I have calculated the calories, it's been substantial amounts of calories and pounds of meat. And uh, I I enjoy eating, uh, kind of my strategy is to eat very large meals and then wait for true hunger to return. And so, I mean, there's times it's up over four or five pounds of meat. I go to the Brazilian buffets all the time and uh, just polish off plate after plate after plate, and I'm full. I'm full. I'm happy, and I just rest until hunger returns, uh, whether that's eight hours later, 20 hours later, Um, and, you know, I think that is definitely one of the secrets of the carnivore diet is that between meals, uh, really, I have no hunger. I have no cravings. Um, I'm not interested in food. It's just – it, it's miraculous for a dieter, really. I mean, uh, we talk about the lions and the Serengeti, you know, they, uh, you know, a zebra can walk right by a fed lion and, you know, he knows he's not in any danger because the lion's just full. And that's, that's how I feel. You know, I, I don't think about food between meals. Uh, I, I just, whenever I get hungry next and it's, you know, true hunger, then I say, all right, well, it's time to hunt. And, uh, typically what I'll do is, uh, that's when I do my workouts, uh, kind of beast mode before feast mode. So, uh, go and get in a workout, even if it's just a quick one. Uh, I do think that that helps to, you know, as you know, stimulate, you know, the muscles, uh, recruit the glute four and everything that'll really help you to pull the, uh, you know, whatever nutrients from the meal that you're about to get in. And then, uh, and then eat and enjoy it. I don't worry about calories. I don't count macros. I don't count anything. I just count the number of plates that I'm eating, and uh, it is it is really as far as dieting goes, it's the best diet in the world. I mean, it's not just for diet; it's for health, and you know, it's definitely cleared up all of my health conditions. But as far as dieting goes, it's just uh, you know, I often say, you know, what kind of sorcery is this? I mean, my my friends, my coworkers, you know, they they're amazed. I had a couple of them uh, see me the other day. I was at a Chinese buffet, just polishing off plates of steaks. They had T-bone steaks. I ate four or five of them. They're like, how are you losing weight? How is this possible? I'm nibbling on rice cakes and, you know, and uh, and I can't lose a pound. And here you are, you've lost 215 pounds and you're eating plates of steak. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say I completely understand it. Uh, I think we understand a lot of the lot of the factors that go into it but I can tell you that it works absolutely
0: Chris one thing I'm curious about and I think this is an interesting thing because it's really I guess almost impossible for someone to who hasn't been in your your position to really know is uh, this idea of like satiation or like hunger cravings like you know it's 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 easy for the person who has metabolically like fine-tuned I guess to just say hey just eat three square meals a day don't go over x amount and then be fine because when they do that you know they ate the meal and they're not hungry again until right before their next one but for for you it seems like you know that just wasn't the case in the past like I would imagine and you correct me if I'm wrong that it would almost be like before you started doing the carnivore approach. it's like this like ringing in your ear and it's just constantly there and then now that you're kind of found true satiety it's like that ringing's gone and it only peaks up when you're actually hungry so that like gets really easy to manage
2: yeah that's exactly it um you know carbs especially feed hunger they spike leptin and insulin and i mean i just could not get full i mean there were times, look, I'm just being honest, there were times I'd stop on the way home at a fast food place and, and eat a couple of whoppers, some fries, this was back when I was eating everything, and, uh, and then stop at a second fast food place before I got home. I mean, that's just, it's crazy to me now looking back, but it just, the hunger never went away. It was always there, like you said, that's ringing in the ears, and, uh just, you know, thinking about food, consumed about food, uh, kind of planning, you know, the next meal and, and, and just, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, now, uh, it's really not, it's not like that at all. I mean, I haven't eaten since yesterday morning and, uh, I'm not the slightest bit hungry. I had a great workout this morning and, you know, uh, I expect some time this afternoon, this evening, uh, you know, whenever I get hungry, you know, I got a couple of steaks that I'm, uh, you know, I got ready to go there, but, um, yeah, it is, it is just such a huge difference. I mean, to, to not worry about food, to not be hungry. I mean, that's a dieter's dream and this is the only diet that is, that has done that for me. So,
0: so one quick question, uh, If you don't mind, do you know? Like, I know you go by by feel, where where you eat until you're full, and then you don't eat again until you're hungry. Does is there a kind of a trend that you notice about kind of how frequent you end up getting hungry, or is it really varied uh, when when you're just kind of going by those those intuitive ways of eating?
2: Yeah, you know, it uh, it is very intuitive. It's usually once a day, uh, occasionally twice a day. Um, but I find that I've really spent some time kind of focusing in on hunger and satiety. And I really, when hunger first starts, I really think about it, embrace it. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? Try to really get a feel for what true hunger, uh, feels like, because look, I mean, we eat because of schedule. We eat because of boredom. We eat for, you know, for social reasons and, uh, you know, just thinking about oh, you know, maybe I'd like to have something to eat. That's not true hunger. Uh, now, when I get hungry, there is, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a tummy growl. You know, a little bit of a, you know, salivary response, and uh, and it really turns on, uh, just the whole uh, eating experience. I mean, every meal I eat, Zach, is the best meal that I ever ate. I mean, that's really how I feel. Every steak is the most delicious steak that I ever had. And uh, once I'm done and I'm full, it's like the taste buds turn off. It's amazing. And it's like, okay, you know, that's it. I, and I won't, I won't eat another bite. Uh, I don't finish my plate anymore. I'm not compelled to do so. And uh, it is really interesting how the body will self-regulate when you're feeding it quality fuel when you're feeding it carbs and and all kinds of franken foods and and just crazy chemicals and all the excitotoxins and soy and endocrine disruptors and just everything that's in the standard American diet. Uh you know, it just messes with all of those signals, but they're they're working now. That's really cool. Hey Chris, I want to uh
1: get into a little bit more about the diverticulitis because we often uh, based upon uh, observational studies, primarily epidemiology, associate uh, colon disease, diverticular disease with red meat consumption. If you have diverticulitis, I'm sure your doctor probably told you to limit red meat probably sometime in the course. And not only did you not take that advice, you went the exact opposite and ate nothing but a bunch of red meat. And your diverticulitis went away. Can you talk a little bit about more about that that sort of situation because I'd like to know, you know,
2: you know how you were diagnosed,
1: how it was verified, how do you know it's gone? I mean, you know, has there been any confirmatory stuff? Well, tell me a little bit about the diverticulitis, please.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was huge, Doc. So uh, I started when it started happening. I was having a lot of uh, just you know abdominal cramping. Uh, I was having actually at first a lot of urinary symptoms, kind of a BPH, you know type situation and went in and had a colonoscopy. And uh, yeah, they found significant uh, diverticulitis, a lot of polyps, uh, very, very, uh, some very inflamed polyps. And, uh, um, uh, you know, diverticular pockets is what I meant to say, but also some polyps. Um, And, uh, you know, I had it just got worse and worse. I, I did try the standard approach, which was high fiber. That's what they said, eat fiber, that's gonna push everything through and make sure everything's good. Uh, of course, every doctor you talked to told you something different. Some were talking about don't eat strawberry seeds, and you know, don't have popcorn curls. And then others are like, no, that's, that's old news. You know, you can eat all that stuff. But uh, I mean, I suffered for years. It was I was in pain every day, uh, I had infections almost every month, I was on antibiotics all the time, and uh, it, it just, no matter what I did, it just kept getting worse and worse. Um, the, the diverticulitis merry-go-round is when you actually have the active inflammation, they tell you to go on a low-residue diet, you know? So you cut the fiber for a few days, you have some bowel rest, let your bowel rest, and then once you feel better, okay, time to pack all the fiber back in. And so I just did that, I went round and around and around, um, to where it was the middle of last year. I wound up in the hospital um, with a perforated colon, and it was bad. I mean, it was uh, it was this close to sepsis. They what they said was the pocket burst but in just the right spot where there was enough fat, enough tissue around that was holding in the infection, holding in the abscess, put me on tons of antibiotics. Uh, We were this close to going in and doing surgery and having to drain the whole bit. I was able to avoid that. But, uh, you know, the the gastro doc said, yeah, it's all but certain here. You know, very soon you're going to have to have part of your colon removed. Uh, There's just no other option. You'll have to go you know, on a bag and, and all of that. And I said, well, Lord, let there be another way. Fortunately, there was, um, started with the all meat diet. And for more than a year and three, four months now, I have not had a single symptom ever. I have not had a twinge of pain. I've not had any bloating. I've not had any gas. I've not had, uh, just any of the symptoms that I had at all, and. Um, I'm going to be going in probably next year for, uh, you know, a colonoscopy just to confirm it because I really want to be able to show the before and afters of of what a carnivore diet can do. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, meat is, you know, as you guys know, it's it's digested and processed in the small intestine. Very little actually makes it to the large intestine at all. Uh, Just a little bit of brown liquid. And so, you know, you talk about bowel rest. I'm on a lifetime of bowel rest. My bowel's retired. My, my large intestine is, is, uh, you know, it's in sunny Florida relaxing for the rest of my life. It really doesn't have much to do, absorb some nutrients and some water. But, um, yeah, I really believe that, that the cause of diverticulitis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease is this intestinal permeability from, uh, The fiber and the phytonutrients or or, uh, phytotoxins, I call them, in in the food that a lot of people are sensitive to that just cause this continual auto intoxication, this, you know, this inflammation, the fiber scrapes the walls. I mean, people with ulcerative colitis, how are you going to heal? an ulcerated colon. If you're just scraping it with fiber all day long, it's this whole idea of an intestinal broom to clean things out. How about don't eat it in the first place? How about eat, eat stuff that your body can actually digest. And, uh, yeah, but the, um, the, the colonic pressure is huge. Um, I was just to be the, uh, honest, a very gassy guy. I mean, I, I was, I was well known among friends and family and, uh, all of that colonic pressure from this fermenting vegetation—it just builds up in the colon, and I believe that's what bulges out those pockets. And uh, when when you're not eating that stuff, I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure I still, uh, you know, flatulence occasionally, but I can't tell you when the last time was. I mean, it's just not—it's not something that uh, that I experience a lot. So, it is very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean the the thoughts on diverticular disease is you know the the etiology is kind of debated. You know, some people will think that you know maybe you know maybe pressure does have a role. It also may have to do with you know the uh, the neuromuscular control of the bowel and, and problems with peristalsis. You know, and, and and some weakening around certain certain areas that that, that might be related, and that, and that may be related to diet as well. As we know that we see that some diets. Lead to, well, some people have chronic neuropathy which affects you know the, the peripheral nerves, feet, the hands, so on and so forth. but we see the same thing occur in, in, the, in the intestine undoubtedly, and, and probably the etiology is the same. probably a metabolic disease which seems to be strongly linked to these things probably causes the same issue. so it's probably multifactorial. but the bottom line is, you know it went away, which I think is pretty remarkable, and, and you're certainly not the first person to see resolution of of either diverticular disease or some of these other ones you mentioned like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or even irritable bowel syndrome, which is far more common, uh, by going on an all meat diet. And I think that's, there's a lot there that hopefully we can get more information on. I think we're, you know, we're, we're kind of on the edge of knowledge, so to speak, you know, and, and I think it's just, just great that we have people that are willing to, to go out there and do it, and I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what your follow-up colonoscopy shows because you know it's it's you know we can talk about placebo effect, but you know when you've got you know colonoscopy on day one and colonoscopy on day six hundred and they're they're completely different, you have to lend some credence to that as being something that actually occurred. And I, you know, I, you know, I, I imagine there's there's people out there who will say that diverticular uh, disease going away is all in your head, which you know, and you and I know that that i don't believe that I, mean, I certainly don't doubt the fact that you know you go from something that's literally disabling with disabling pain and discomfort to no symptoms whatsoever there's something clearly going on
2: yeah yeah absolutely
0: now for a word from our sponsors hey folks thank you for tuning in to the human performance outliers podcast. uh we are very excited to have butcher box sponsoring the show sean why don't you tell us about some of your experiences
1: yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, basically mostly just going with their custom boxes. I've been going with uh, ribeyes and uh, New York strip steaks. They're all uh, grass finished, antibiotic free, hormone free. They're actually pretty decently marbled for a grass finished product. I've been enjoying it. Lately, I've been throwing it on the on the uh, in the sous vide and then reverse sear or then searing it up in a cast iron pan. That's been pretty darn tasty. I've enjoyed it. Uh, the consistency I found on pretty much every single steak has been very high, very good and very high, uh, flavor has been good and I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, you know, looking around at some of the other competitors and some of the other grass finished products that you might get in the store, this is actually a fair bit more economical. And so I think it's, it's a good value, good quality and, 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 a very, uh, you know, enjoyable, flavorful, uh, way to get your steaks.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Remember to get your discount and free bacon type in promo code hpo at the checkout now back to the show
2: yeah it's um you know so many of these things uh, you know are really uh, I think an energy issue you know the uh, uh, you know the mitochondria and all of that it's like when when the body's just not getting the fuel that it needs things just don't work properly things break down and you know I think that genetically we all have weak points uh, you know areas that will be the first to go kind of in our family line uh, but uh, yeah you know just just giving the body the proper fuel it's just everything works better and uh, you know my digestion is I mean it's picture perfect of course like you I get asked a lot about it and uh, it's it's perfect it's it's very regular it's uh, perfect on the you know bristol score or whatever it's uh it's just perfect so it's uh it's a far cry from what from what i experienced and uh i used to i used to have to go to the bathroom three four five times a day and now it's uh once a day in the morning like clockwork and it's yeah it's uh remarkably different
0: chris if you could do you want to describe kind of what types of meets you're you're focusing on are you kind of like sean where you're You know, steak almost all the time and then garnish a little bit with like eggs, bacons, and salmon, and that sort of thing? Or do you kind of go through more of a a, a wide ranging like uh, program of maybe you'll have red meat, maybe you'll have uh, fish and stuff like that? How do you kind of break down what types of meat you're eating?
2: Yeah, I'm eating uh, probably about 80% beef. Um, I have uh, my meals are often beef and so I have steak and eggs, or steak and sardines, or maybe it's ground beef and eggs, or ground beef and sardines, or uh, I do enjoy lamb. Um, I have uh, chicken from time to time, but in general, it's uh, it's steak, it's ground beef. Uh, I do use a little bit of seasonings. Uh, I kind of enjoy a kind of a one skill or wonder, you know, just kind of throw everything in the pan. So it's ground beef and a little bit of seasoning and uh, you know some sardines on the side, some eggs, but um, it's it's meat every every meal every day, uh, red meat, and uh, you know I I do think that uh, food you know can be enjoyed and while while it is just fuel, uh, you know for me now I I mean like I say every meal is the most delicious meal that I ever had, and so uh, I like to you know go out and. You know, I still go to restaurants. Uh, I don't find it difficult at all uh, finding, you know, good quality meat and you know places to eat. And uh, like I said, the the uh, Brazilian you know steakhouses, you a know, big fan of those. And uh, I don't do I don't do much organ meat. Um, you know, I'm I'm attracted to the idea of it. You know, the whole nose to tail. It it sounds really good. I didn't grow up eating any of that stuff. I didn't never really had liver or anything. So I I started to add a little bit in and, uh, you know, kind of enjoying it. Uh, I don't think it's necessary, obviously, you know, plenty of long-term carnivores that are doing really great on just muscle meat and and, ribeyes. But, you know, I'm kind of playing around with that this year. I do like, uh, you know, bone broth. Uh, Recently, I got, uh, I ate a duck and uh, the (laughs) put put the duck carcass in a crock pot and uh, the entire thing disappeared it was amazing it all it all dissolved into probably one of the best bone broths that i had and uh so you know i've been playing around with that you know as well but uh yeah you know i so far i haven't met a meat that i that i don't like
1: yeah chris uh that's You know that's a recurrent theme. I know there's a lot of people out there that will say that you know you have to eat X amount of organ meats and this sort of stuff. And and, but in 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 actual practice, it doesn't seem to be uh, showing up for many people now. There there's certainly probably some people where that does make a difference. Um, And and certainly if that's the case, that's what you should pursue in my view. Let me ask you about grass fed versus grain fed. There's a lot of other people out there that will say that you have to do grass fed beef because it's so so much more superior nutrition wise is that something you found to be true or or what is your meat sourcing coming from
2: yeah i'm i'm eating mostly uh the vast majority is just grain fed store-bought meat uh, conventional meat um i've had grass fed i've had times periods where i've been you know tested it a bit and see if i noticed any difference i really didn't um i uh you know i i I think that people should eat the meat that they enjoy and they can afford. And uh, I've I've got a couple of uh, local farms and some things that I'm looking at. And, you know, I, I'm all for, uh, you know, the highest quality meat possible, but I, I really don't think there's much of a difference. And the omega six, omega nine thing, it's such a small, small amount, uh, getting plenty of plenty of omega-3s and sardines and some of the things that I eat. So it's just not something that I worry about. And uh, like like with hunger, I just, I eat to, you know, satiety and I eat to what I'm in the mood for. And, you know, there's times where uh, I want something a little leaner and uh, for whatever reason. So I'll, I'll take out a package of some grass, you know, grass finished lamb or something like that. And then there's, there's times where I really want the fat. And so, you know, nothing satisfies like a ribeye. Uh, lately, you know, I've been enjoying lamb. I've got a place that's got uh, some really great lamb. I just cook them up as steaks on the grill and uh, the fat is amazing. It uh, caramelizes into, it tastes almost like candy. It's uh, it's really good stuff so yeah i enjoy that but yeah I, I don't think it's much of an issue and uh you know i mean everyone like everyone's got their their pet theory and their pet philosophy but like you doc i say results are what it's all about you know if people are doing well and feeling well and getting getting good success with what they what they're doing then fine you know if it ever changes then all right you know change it up try something different but i don't think it's an issue
0: cool chris um one thing I'm curious about too, is that, you know, so you're at this point now where you've lost north of 200 pounds and you mentioned earlier that you're looking to shed maybe another 80 to a hundred. Um, so just thinking like whole picture, how, how amazing it is that, you know, you were at a point of 500 pounds and you've almost lost twice or you almost lost half of you. Uh, and you're looking to kind of just keep going. Are you going to just, Kind of keep trucking along in the same like process you are now, or are you gonna tweak things going forward to try to get that other eighty to one hundred pounds off? Like, are you still seeing like significant loss on a regular basis that you're comfortable just maintaining the status quo, or are you gonna, you know, what what's your thought about the next year? What's your future predictions for how you kind of go about nutrition?
2: Well, you know, I think, uh, nutritionally, yeah, I don't see it changing very much. Uh, obviously, you know, listen to the body and, you know, see what happens. I do, uh, plan to this next year, uh, get into the gym more. Most of my, uh, most of this year and the weight loss was just, uh, body weight exercises. You know, uh, I do a lot of squats. This is actually how I started. Uh, you know, I, I said, all right, every time I go to the, every time I go to the restroom, I'm going to do 20 squats. And, uh, I did that and, you know, it built up, uh, 20 squats. Every time you go six, seven times a day, you know, it adds up and I started adding some walking. I started doing some swimming and, uh, just some real light, uh, you know, free weights, things like that. But now it's really at the point where, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I want to see how far I can take it, you know, I want to, I want to be ripped, you know, and so I'm gonna do whatever, whatever that takes, you know, to do it, so definitely getting into the gym more this year, uh, the last few weeks, I've just been, to be honest, I've just been enjoying being a carnivore, I haven't, haven't been focused on, on the weight loss aspect of it, I don't know if you guys, you know, if you knew, but actually won a weight loss contest that I entered a challenge and, uh, won, won $3,000, which was, uh, fantastic. Uh, actually was able to buy this car that I'm sitting in a 2018 Kia Soul. So that was super exciting. So, you know, and that was, uh, necessarily because of that, I had to weigh in all the time and, you know, and, and so I've just been enjoying just, uh, you know, r- relaxing and just being a carnivore, just working out a little bit, but yeah, it's time to, uh, you know, to knock off this last 80 to 100, whatever it's going to be, and so, you know, I, I honestly don't even know what that will look like or what the final weight is. I'm, I'm 5'10", you know, and uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you guys I'll let you guys tell me when I'm done, so. Doc will let me know.
0: Was, were the other participants in the contest or the people who put on the contests pretty shocked when you told them that the, the way you won it was through a carnivore diet?
2: Yes. Uh, you know, I shared with a lot of people, a lot of people would send me uh, you know, private messages, like, what are you doing? And the contest actually, you know, uh, like I don't think they would have been, you know, the, the top guys wouldn't have been very happy with that, you know, but, uh, it is what it is. I mean, they, they certainly did allow, you know, keto dieting. And, of course, this is the ultimate the ultimate keto diet. But I really wanted to win one for the carnivores and uh, just show people that, hey, this is a viable option, you know. And, and it really is. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that I have been seeing is a lot of kind of longtime carnivores in some of the groups online that, you know, they're still struggling to, to lose some weight. And, uh, you know, it's obviously multifactorial, and, you know, there's different, different issues with different people, but um, I do think that, that meal frequency is a huge thing. Um, I just don't think we're designed to eat, but just once or twice a day. And I think that those long periods of bowel rest and of uh, tapping into the fat stores and uh, autophagy, uh, I think it makes you know a big difference. Um, there's some interesting studies on carnivorous animals, uh, lions and wolves and, and and dogs and and some of these uh, animals in captivity where they had them on more of a human three meals a day diet and uh, they were getting fat, they were getting sick, they were getting lethargic and and having some health issues. And then when they switched them over to more of the natural uh, gorge and fast model. Uh, they, they thinned out, they got sleek, they got healthy, they, their energy went up. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would encourage a lot of those long time, you know, zero carb folks that are struggling, just, uh, you know, work with hunger and satiety a little bit, really explore, uh, you know, when you're really hungry and just see about bringing that, that meal frequency down. Because, uh, I mean, there are times like I, this entire weight loss, I haven't fasted once. And I really, I wanted to do that just, you know, because I wanted to show that it's not necessary. I do think that there's a place for uh, short term fasting, you know, a day or two, especially when you're sick. Um, You know, I I think animals naturally don't eat or drink, uh, you know, when they're sick. And I think uh, that there's a place for it. But, um, you know, intermittent feasting, as Doc calls it, I mean, that that really is the way to go. And uh, I'm going to continue with that. There's There's been a couple of days here recently where I didn't eat the entire day because I just wasn't hungry. And I attribute it to, you know, being more and more fat adapted and just burning my fat stores. I mean, if you're burning meals from, you know, five years ago, there's just less less of a need to the eat another meal, you know, but I don't, I don't restrict in the face of hunger. If I'm hungry, I eat, I listen to the body every time.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's certainly an appeal to that approach. It's, you know, the simplicity and that's one of the things that people like about the diet is it's, it's just, it's dead simple. I mean, it's, you know, you tell people what do you eat? You eat a bunch of meat. What do you eat? When you're hungry, when you don't, you don't eat, you're not hungry. And it's as simple as that. And it's it very effective for many people. There are, however, some people that don't, don't necessarily do that well. And uh, there are sure. some people that will actually even gain weight or fail to lose weight or, you know, a lot of other things going on there. So I think we can't say this is a, a recipe for 100% of the people, but it does seem to work for a significant percentage of the people that try it. And, and I think that's very liberating for many people. Talk about, um, you know, well, one thing I'd like to say, you know, Chris, you've been a wonderful advocate for the diet. I see your stuff and you're very positive. And just hearing your story, like I've heard before, is just, you know, it's very, uh, you know, puts a smile on one's face to see how, how you know, how well it's worked for you and how, how positive it's been for you. What has been your, you know, experience interacting with other folks, uh, you know, trying Have you found universal success? Have you seen kind of a mixed bag? And, and what do you tell people? that might be struggling, uh, what are what some of the advice you give those people?
2: Yeah. I mean, so far there really hasn't been anyone that it hasn't, uh, really helped with. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, there's, there's a lot of different factors. There's a lot of different things. And you know, I think people, especially that come from restrictive dieting, uh, that have some healing to do, maybe we're very, you know, protein deficient, uh, you know, it can take some time, you got to rebuild and, you know, uh, yeah, I've, there's been a couple of people putting on a few pounds at first until it kind of leveled off and, and then they've been dropping, you know, body fat, uh, you know, steadily. Um, I think that, uh, that there's a lot of things that have been a part of my weight loss. You know, I enjoy uh, cold thermogenesis. Uh, actually, it was in the 30s here this morning, went, Went for my hike uh, in a pair of shorts and uh, just you know enjoy kind of working with the cold and cold showers and so that's one of the things that I definitely uh, you know encourage people to try uh, you know things like sauna um, you know sunshine sunshine has been been huge um, I, I do think that vitamin D actually does play a role I was uh, got to be I was a neurotoxic program director in Florida for a while. And we tested a lot of people for vitamin D and, uh, 95% were significantly deficient. And this is in Florida, you know, the sunshine state. And, uh, I just think that vitamin D plays a role with, uh, some of that deep inflammation, uh, especially that's going on with the fat, you know, fat, white fat is just very inflamed tissue. And, and there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that goes on, so yeah you know i I encourage people to just try different things. you know, I kind of have a big a big tool bag of, of things you can try from twenty five years of playing around with this stuff and you know, but just uh chase chase results and not theory, not dogma, and uh, you know find find what works for you and uh i I think that uh, it takes a lot of courage to just you know put aside, you know, what you've, what you've been told, and maybe what your doctor's telling you, I mean, I, I, I broke every, every rule that the doctor told me, and, uh, but I tell you what, uh, she was very, very happy with this last uh, checkup that I had, I went in for my early physical, and uh, she showed me around to, uh, some of the other people, uh, you know, they're in the office. And uh, I've been keeping track with my belt, the holes on my belt, you know, I've got, uh, uh, I think 12 new holes that I've put in my belt, you have me showing my belt to everybody. So, you know, it's like, there's, there's theory, and then there's what actually works. And so I just encourage people to, to try it. I know uh, for those listening now, it's like World Carnivore Month in January. You know, give it, give it 30 days. Do it. I mean, the first time I did it for 30 days, I can't even tell you how amazing I felt. I lost like 30, 40 pounds. I felt absolutely amazing. I had the best sleep of my life my mood improved, libido improved. I mean, you can go down the line. It was just, it was life changing. And uh, I've, I've, I've never looked back. And so I'm just, uh, yeah, you know, I encourage people to just try it for themselves. Don't listen to the hype, you know, don't listen to all the naysayers and to the, the propaganda, you know, and uh, I think it is a very uh, sustainable diet, you know, obviously, uh, it's a lot of, false information out there about beef and cows and all of that stuff. I think that it really is uh, the best hope for health and for uh, the health of the planet as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm very much in favor of what you say as far as beef being a health food. And, and, and I, and I think there is a lot of uh, organized, uh, attempts to get people onto a, you know, off beef or off meat in general, and then onto what's what ultimately will be a more processed food diet, which is more profitable. I mean, we certainly see uh, as animal fats and animal proteins leave the human diet, that it's replaced with processed food rather than beans and tofu and lettuce and kale. It just doesn't happen. So, what ultimately happens is more people to see processed food because the other stuff is not particularly that palatable for many people. And they find that if they don't get their, you know, energy requirements being met from something else, they're going to go with this highly super palatable, you know, ultra processed food. And so I think that's a, that's a big concern for people. Um, Let me, what, what sort of um, advice would you give someone that's starting the diet uh, that's never done it before that, that, that's, that's sort of apprehensive?
2: Well, one of the things I'd say at first is just make sure that they're eating enough. Um, really just enjoy being a carnivore. Enjoy the freedom of being able to eat delicious ribeye steaks and bondless burgers piled high with cheese and bacon and just all of those kind of maybe taboo foods or foods that were on the, uh, you know, the can't eat on your diet list. Just enjoy eating them. Uh, don't worry at first about the scale. Don't worry about calories or macros or you know. Of course, I get those messages all day long. What should my macros be? It's like, just eat meat. Just just enjoy it. Uh, if you want to add some fat, great. Add some fat. Add some butter. You know. If you if you don't, that's fine too. And uh, you know, just um, let let your body tell you what it needs. You know, really really listen, you know, take a few moments and like, okay, what am I really hungry for? You know, what's, what's going on? And, uh, and then, uh, you know, I think that they should uh, just, uh, you know, try different, different types of meat. Uh, I encourage them to, you know, try fish. I, I was not a fish eater just to be honest growing up. I didn't eat much fish at all. And uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, I opened up a can of sardines and ate it, and now I'm in love. It's just a wonderful little food. Uh, uh, if I ever do snack, which is rare, I just open up a can of a can of sardines and and I'm and I'm good to go. So, you know, taste buds definitely do change. I would encourage them as well. Maybe there's something that you've tried in the past that you really didn't enjoy. Try it again. You know, it. Uh, you never know. And then just just kind of have fun with it, you know, it it is, um, it's very freeing, it's very liberating. Um, I'm a big, big fan of just the idea of taking our place as, you know, apex predator on the planet. You know, I know I've said this before, but it's like, I think it's just changed my whole perspective. I just feel like, you know, it's all about being a predator and not prey. My whole life, I was prey. Uh, You know, I was a people pleaser. I was worried about what people thought of me. Uh, I used to stutter when I was a kid. Uh, Now my wife says I'm making up for lost time. Now you can't shut me up. Uh, But, you know, I just, I'm enjoying just feeling like, you know what? We're, mankind is here because we have been successful. We have hunted and domesticated and, and eaten every animal on the planet. Uh, I'm all for, you know, being responsible with it. But, you know, we are the apex predator. And, uh, you know, I don't make apologies for it. And uh, I think that, you know, there is something to be to be said about just considering that and just considering the uh, the implications of it. Chris,
1: let's I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we see that, you know, red meat, at least again in, in associational epidemiology studies, has been associated with increased cardiovascular disease in some studies, not all, some of them, some of them don't show that. It's been associated with uh, increased risk of colorectal cancer. And again, the, the association is not that strong and the and the absolute risk is not that high. But you, you take someone like yourself who had, you know, ongoing chronic colitis, diverticular disease. You take someone who is 500 plus pounds. And then you take over two hundred pounds off your body, and you completely get rid of your colitis. Are you concerned? Is your is your thought that you were more at risk for those diseases before, or you're more at risk for those diseases now that you're, you know, two hundred pounds lighter and you no longer have diverticular disease? What, what what makes sense to you?
2: Yeah, I I think that now I'm not concerned about it at all. I mean, I am literally the healthiest I've ever been in my life. My blood pressure is low. It used to be very high. I I was on, uh, you know, daily blood pressure medicine. Uh, My blood pressure has been perfect. My resting pulse rate has been very low. Uh, All of my blood markers have been good. They were perfect. I mean, the doctor was very excited. And uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, the problem is the the inflammation in in the cardiovascular system, and uh, you know the the hyperinsulinemia from all those years of eating carbs. That was what was damaging, uh, you know, the various little valves in the blood. Like I used to have doc really bad venous insufficiency in my legs. I had lymphedema, especially in my left leg. Uh, got cellulitis very often. Would wind up in the hospital, you know, for. You know, IV antibiotics for a couple of days because my legs were that bad. My legs don't swell at all now. I mean, they're. My wife's like, "You got chicken legs," uh, you know. And uh, you know, I've got some uh, residual, some staining. You know, uh, you know, a little discoloration, lower part of the legs, a little bit of varicosity, but um, there's just no doubt that things are working like they should. The system's draining. I did go back to my vascular surgeon because that was another surgery that they said I was going to have to have they were going to have to shut off my great saphenous vein in my leg to, you know, uh, to help with that. But uh, he said, No, you're fine. The, the weight loss did it. Keep doing what you're doing. He was super excited about the carnivore diet. When I told him about he's like, Look, there's no doubt, you know, things are, things are working better. Uh, you know, I'm certainly uh, cardiovascularly more fit, like I said, I was hiking in the the you know mountains here in north georgia this morning and uh it's feeling great i mean i remember going to bed wondering if i was going to wake up in the morning you know apnea uh was you know cpap machine couldn't couldn't sleep without that one ever um and just you know heart racing and uh just just wondering if that was going to be my last day and now man I. It's, those, those kind of thoughts never crossed my head. You know, Lord willing, I've got, got a lot of years and a lot of good, good things that I'm going to be able to do here and make up for a lot of lost time. But, no, I feel like it has uh, just 100% changed my cardiovascular health for the better.
1: Yeah, Chris, it's almost like you've lost a person,
2: you know, in body weight but then
1: gained a life. You know, it's, it's, just, it's such a dramatic transformation. Yep. Well, let's see, um, what do you got planned for 2019? I know we got World Carnivore Month coming up. I know you're going you're gonna to be one of the cheerleaders for that, I suppose, and then uh, hopefully bringing more people, you know, providing more and more uh, information for people. I know you do, some, co- you do some, some coaching, if I'm not mistaken. I know you're, you're handle this Keto Carnivore Coach, and so I know you help people with different various dietary aspects, including carnivore, but not necessarily limited to that. And so what, what's going on with that sort of stuff? And, and, and like I said, how do you see things progressing for you over the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it, Really. I just I feel like I'm just getting started with things and, uh, you know, of course the carnivore movements in its infancy, I'm really excited to see where, where it's going to go. I think we're, I think we're rattling cages and shaking things up a bit. And, uh, I'm right there with you, Doc, help you any way that I can, definitely want to, you know, support what what we're doing. Uh, I would love to, you know, this year hit, hit a conference or two, uh, you know, low-carb, uh, carnivore, keto-type conference. Uh, look, when I'm all said and done, I will be that guy that lost more than 300 pounds eating all-meat diet, and I think that, uh, I think people are going to want to hear that, be interested in it, so just kind of throwing myself out there, however I can help, whatever I can do. Um, I've been doing, uh, doing some coaching, you know, with folks around the country and uh, really enjoying that. I just, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't try to help, you know, because I've been there. And, uh, you know, I do have a lot of, uh, you know, good resources and, and, and things that I can help folks with. Um, I'm working, working on a couple of books uh, that I've been kind of playing around with the last few years. I think it's time to, to get serious with it. One of them is kind of using natural things, you know, sunlight and water and like turning to nature's healers first before drugs and surgery. And then the other one, which I've I find fascinating, I'm entitling it, uh, working title is The Pharmacy Within. And it's all about all of the endogenous things that our body makes, uh, you know, the various hormones and and different, different things that we can make ourselves, you know, if you just expose the body to the right type of stressors or environmental factors, you know, there's people paying big money to get, you know, testosterone and human growth hormone, or, you know, all these crazy things. And it's like, man, you can make it yourself. I just feel like I'm I'm my own doctor, I'm my own pharmacy, you know, I, I, I can make and, and generate a whole lot of those things right inside. So I'm going to work on, uh, work on those this year. We'll see, what, we'll see what comes of that. But man, I'm just, I'm just having fun. You know, I'm enjoying my new life. Uh, you know, I, I've shared with folks recently, we went to, went to Disney for five days and walked the parks and uh, rode every ride, every roller coaster. I feel like I, I've got a lot of life to make up for. And uh, so I'm just gonna have a lot of fun with that, and and just see where it goes. But yeah, however I can be helpful to you guys, I'm I'm right there with you.
0: Cool, Chris. Yeah, and it's always funny to see kind of where 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 people's uh, you know lives direct them from health and stuff like that. And that's been honestly one of the coolest parts about doing this podcast has been you know getting on the the lifestyle change folks like yourself, and it's certainly one where where our listeners also have a steady stream of requests saying, Hey, get more people like that on, you know, they want to see these real life examples. Um, they love the doctors and stuff as well, but (laughs) the doctors and athletes, but it's, um, you know, when, when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, it's like, it's guys like you that I think people want to see in terms of like really making a meaningful turnaround from, from a longevity standpoint, more or less.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, let me. You know, I mean, we we call ourselves the human performance outliers, and, and and I think there's a lot of wisdom that we can glean from from some of these outliers and different things. And you certainly, not only the fact that you're walking around 500 pounds, that's 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 kind of an outlier, but the fact that you've now lost almost half that body weight is is pretty amazing. This is another topic that I that I wanted to touch on earlier, but I forgot. And so hopefully, you don't mind talking about it. But at any point. Did anyone, one of your physicians, approach you, or did you consider bariatric surgery as a solution?
2: Yeah, they definitely recommended it, Uh, especially a couple years ago when I was just at my heaviest and just really having a hard time, even cardiovascularly. I had a surgeon that – you know, said that, yeah, you know, you definitely should do it. Um, I've just heard so many horror stories about it. And, uh, you know, to this day, I've got some friends and some, some some folks that I've coached that did it. And it's just dramatically changed their life forever. They can't eat normal foods, you know. They're just eating these real small amounts. They're still hungry. Uh, some of them have s- stretched their stomach back out again, you know. And, and it's just uh, – I. I think it is uh, the wrong approach. Uh, you know, maybe in a if there's just no other options to save someone's life. But I would definitely encourage folks before you do something like that, please give me a call. You know, shoot me a message. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, I just uh, it's it's just not obviously what what nature designed. And uh, in an emergency intervention, perhaps, but. Uh, I just see so many people that have you know trouble down the road, and this is all of the benefits of it without all of the problems with it and uh yeah i'm i 'm not a fan of it at all i i wouldn't wouldn't recommend that to folks
1: yeah one of the things and, and you know certainly there are people that it benefits for uh undoubtedly uh you know again I certainly am not a fan of removing. Normal functioning organs, you know, and 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 we do see that some of those folks have higher rates of uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, and, and suicide afterward. And so it's not a completely benign thing long term either, regardless of what kind of effects it might have in a positive. It's like anything, there's there's it's like taking a drug. You know, there's going to be positives and there's going to be negatives, and sometimes. You know, I, but I don't see the the real negative to to changing to a to a, a, a nutritious diet. There's there's really no downside that that I can see. That, that, that you know anyone has demonstrated to me, and you know my view is is meat is very nutritious food and it's a very good diet. Uh, obviously, people disagree with that, but I, again, we we come back to the results. Ultimately, we're going kind to of carry the day. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the on the carnivore movement as far as is it going to fade up? Is it going to be a flash in the pan and fade out in, in a few months or a year? Like, like some people are, are, are hoping for or predicting, or do you see it continuing to grow as more and more people find success with it?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to continue to grow. I think, uh, you know, Sean, the universe is all about balance. And, uh, we had the whole vegan thing and the universe had to swing the pendulum and bring us a Sean Baker and, uh, and, you know these crazy carnivores but no I think it is really going to uh, to continue to grow because not only do you have people from you know standard American diets you have the you know these vegans you know that are trying it but I think you have a lot of keto dieters who realize that you know they just they've kind of fell down you know uh, you know these these uh, traps of all of these fat bombs and Keto desserts, and you know, I've got some friends at work keto dieting, and they're eating cupcakes all day, and yes, and they're not losing weight, you know, with it. And I think that, uh, I think the uh, the fear of protein, which was promoted in the in the keto movement, uh, was just completely unwarranted. Uh, I do check for fun, you know, my ketones from time to time. I'm always in a state of ketosis, at least, you know, point you know, 0.05. I mean, it's, uh, uh, the whole gluconeogenesis thing is just not what people believed it to be. And so I think that there are tens of thousands of keto dieters that are going to, you know, naturally gravitate this way. But, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to grow. I think people are seeing results. Uh, I think, you know, work like yours and the meat heels website. And of course, you know, the world carnivore tribe, some of these groups online. I mean, I just, it's such a breath of fresh air. People tell me, man, I just, where have you been all my life? You know, like, this is so exciting. These are the foods that I want to eat. These are the foods that my body is drawn to. I think that, you know, all of us are drawn to fat and to protein. That's what we're seeking. You know, there is something to the protein leverage, fat leverage ideas. And, you know, it's like, we're trying to fill these deep metabolic needs with with an abundance of crap foods. And uh, it's just not working. People are hungry, but more importantly, hungry on the inside, hungry metabolically. And so once you give someone a taste of the good stuff and and they realize that wow not only is this not bad for me but this is actually helping and healing all these things. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. I I think we're on to something here. I think that you go down the line to all of these different types of things. I mean very excited about uh, you know gastrointestinal, you know illnesses, autoimmune, uh, you know, cancer. There's just so many things where I see it being just an effective strategy and the more that we have these stories and we put them out there and we let people know this is another way this is a viable option at least at least try it I can't think of a single person that I know that wouldn't wouldn't uh, benefit from 30 days of 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 uh, you know steak and eggs you know try it see what happens and then from there all right you know you want to add in some seasonal berries or you know that's fine do what your body tells you but at least try it. And so I've been very successful getting folks to just try that 30-day thing. And uh, not a one has said anything but the most amazing results. I mean, it's, uh, it's really phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm an herbalist, you know, uh, kind of by training. And uh, I've got nothing. I tell people, I've got nothing I can give you that's going to do what 30 days of a meat diet is going to do for you. Uh, you know, it's not about adding in, really, it's about about taking away a lot of this other junk, and then getting the the good nutrition that is in the meat. It's, uh, you know, side by side comparisons. uh, You know, beef is where it's at, you know, it's got everything that we need for for life and health.
1: Yeah, Chris, I think that's a very important point you raise about the fact that, you know, you try it for a while, you use it as a tool. And then if you want to you know, bring back other foods that you tolerate well, that's perfectly acceptable. I know we have, there's 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 some uh, people that, that are very dogmatic and they think that, you know, this is the only way you can do it and you got to be on beef and water for the rest of your life. That's the only way you're going to survive. Uh, I think that's a little short-sighted. I, I, I don't think it's practical for most people, but I do think that many people that will do this and, may, and some of them will choose to, to stay very strict for long periods of time. I think that's perfectly acceptable and fine. I don't think it's harmful, but I do think you know, from a, from a, a broader acceptance standpoint, you know, having people utilize it as a tool, you know, seeing what works for them and then dialing their personal level of, you know, whether it's psychological acceptance or physiological acceptance, you know, if you can, if you can tolerate, you know, like I said, some raspberries and blueberries and avocados, that's fine. Or, you know, or, or whatever else it is. I don't think there's any reason to tell people that's, Never back on the menu, but I, but at the same time, I think being objective about it, and you know, honestly assessing how those things impact your your health is is just just common sense. And again, always defer to what the results are.
2: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Well, Chris, thank you very much. I know we've taken up a lot of your time. Appreciate it. You made me hungry talking. About, I've not had breakfast <laughs> I've done two podcasts, and I'm going to go cook me up some steak and eggs got a couple of nice ribeyes in the fridge and so uh i'm looking forward to that I look forward to your progress Chris. i hope you continue doing what you're doing I, I always enjoy seeing your posts on on social media and it'd be really cool as you put up more and more of the objective you know medical stuff medical reports those things are very powerful like 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 you know these stories are very powerful and they sway people's lives and a guy like you has a very powerful story so i look forward to hearing more from you and hopefully to meet you in person at maybe one of these conferences or somewhere else along
2: the line. That would be great, doc. Yeah. I look forward to shaking your hand. I appreciate all that you do and I'm right there with you.
1: Perfect. Thanks right, Chris. That was great.
0: Have a, have a good rest of the day and uh, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you, Zach. And this was great. I appreciate you guys and have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.